At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Marine Lair podcast. We'll take a look at the Mariners' first pace position going forward and who's going to occupy that spot in 2024. We'll also take a look at the lack of starter strikeouts for the Mariners over the last couple of weeks. Picking out a standout minor leaguer in our On the Farm segment. Taking a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound. We have another Russell Wilson umpire of the week and we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Before we start the show, your reminder that if you're listening on our audio platforms, we've got a video side to this podcast too. It's on YouTube, so go check us out over there. Hit subscribe, like, comment, and turn those notification bells on when you do. And if you're watching on YouTube, check us out on the audio side too. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Go follow us, download our episodes, and leave us a five-star review. The reviews and the downloads really help us out big time. And then on social media, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube Shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast recording. Here on Wednesday, September 6th, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network. And I have a question for you, Lyle. Now, let me lay this out. What sounds better, me or the sound of a Mariners salvage victory in Cincinnati? Go. It's got to be you because I want the Mariners out of Cincinnati. Like, great. They salvaged the series. I don't want anything to do with the Reds moving forward. But this new mic you got. Sign me right up. It does. We're making money moves right here. I'm so happy. I mean, is this what it's like getting old? Instead of getting Legos or getting an Xbox or getting the latest Call of Duty game, which I remember I'd be over the moon about, I got a new microphone today, and I couldn't tell you how excited I was that it finally arrived. I mean, I was like a kid at Christmas, ripping it out of the box, attempting to set it up and get it ready for us to record tonight and... I'm very pleased. I, I couldn't be happier, way happier with this than I am with the Mariners' performance in Cincinnati. So, cheers. I think this is the same mic that Brock uses during Brock and Salt. Brock Heward, friend of the pod. It is. A lot of people use it. I think it's like it's a very good professional quality mic that you can have at home, which I like, which is the, which is the goal, right? We want to sound as professional as possible. And I thought, you know, with the, the podcast past 10 months now, whew, Wow, 10 months. I think it was time for a bit of a bit of a bump in production and, you know, one baby step at a time. Well, it's a pretty good step. It is crazy that it's been 10 months. We'll have to 
reminisce on speak your mind at the one year mark or something like that, or maybe at the end of the year period. But yeah, it's crazy how much time is just kind of gone because it doesn't feel like it's been that long. But but yeah, were we getting some Royals vibes these weeks? This week, I think I think we were. I was I was getting some Royal Royal series vibes. A little bit. Now I'll give the Mariners more of a pass against the Reds than the Royals. The Royals. The Royals at one point this past week actually had a worse winning percentage than the Oakland A's. I don't even know how that's possible. But I that don't know was how it's possible thing. either. That, that was somehow a real thing this week, that the Royals had a worse record than the A's, which makes absolutely no sense, by the way, because despite the Royals having the worst bullpen in baseball, that is a really talented lineup offensively with some young stars, nobody bigger than Bobby Witt. But I will give the Reds credit here. The Reds are a fringe playoff team they might get into the playoffs and we'll talk about that NL wildcard race later so I will give the Mariners more of a pass against the Reds on the road on a long road trip with no off days against the team that is good they're not great but they are good and they are pesky pesky is right they're the bases were filled with Reds throughout the series the most frustrating part of the series for the Mariners is they faced a bullpen day for Cincinnati on Monday they faced Connor Phillips revenge game on Tuesday. And then today, I forget the dude's name, had about a six ERA in AAA. So like the Reds rolled out probably the worst trio of starters they probably could against the Mariners. And the M still ended up only with getting one of three games in Cincinnati. And then again, no off day, go to the second best record in the American League and they'll face the Rays tomorrow. So it was Lion Richardson that they faced today, who, like you notable said... Notable name. Very notable name. Yes, yeah, I remember exactly. that. Well, as somebody who was broadcasting games in the Reds organization last year, I feel like I know that entire farm system like the back of my hand at this point. So I feel like I see all these names. We've talked about this on the podcast before. We talked about it with Bobby Wagner back on that episode, if you want to check this out. The Reds are my second favorite team. We've talked about that just from all the time I've spent around some of those players, and I think they're a fun young team. now. I wasn't much of a fan of them in this series because it wasn't fun watching them win games against the Mariners, but I do feel like I know a lot of these names and obviously saw a lot of these guys kind of roll through the system. But yeah, that's a pesky team and and they needed those wins pretty badly, but they took two or three credit to them. Noel V. Marte first career home run against the, against the team that brought him up. That'll be a trivia question going forward. Not just, who did Noel V. Marte hit its, hit his first home run against team-wise, but which pitcher was it? Do you remember? Exactly. Oh, boy. I sh- yeah, I should probably know this, shouldn't I? Eh, it was Dominic Leone. Oh, yeah, your favorite. Yeah, you want him on the roster still? Eh, I, I wouldn't. I said this to you the other day. Casey Sadler's last few appearances in Tacoma have looked pretty good, and I can tell you Mariners fans would be fired up to see him back in the majors. Now, I'm not saying that's how the front office makes their decisions. They obviously do not do it based off fan vibes, but I do kind of wonder what it is they saw with Dominic Leone this year where they said there's something there because he hasn't shown a lot either with the Mets or with the Angels this year, and he so far hasn't shown much with the M's. His slider numbers are supposed to be pretty good. My biggest question is, if we're just talking about bullpen before we dive into our Mariners storylines, what was it that was so, what turned the Mariners off so much about Prolander Barroa's one appearance in a Mariner uniform that 
they decided to send him down and now he's been down in triple a or in double a for months now while other guys have gotten opportunities in that bullpen and he's just kind of there the the travelers aren't having a great season they're at the bottom of their division in double a and you know he's bro is kind of just pitching but the mariners as we've seen here down the stretch could use one more really good bullpen arm or at least really good stuff wise bullpen arm in that bullpen and we saw it with Barroa. he does have that stuff if he's throwing strikes so why not why why leon over him the whole thing with Barroa all this time has been he's got to command his pitches his command numbers have been pretty good he's not walking a bunch of guys since he got sent back to double a especially over his last handful or two of appearances i don't know i'm 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 out of ideas on that one. I'm with you. I can't figure out why he's not up. I always assume their plan with him is to the Mariners. He is so valuable as a reliever that by the time they call him up, they do not want to send him back, which is what I figured was happening the first time they called him up. I figured they would call him up, call him up and say, okay, this is permanent. This is for good. And that was not the case. And didn't even get give him a chance to to work some stuff out. If you remember, the Mariners weren't exactly in contention at that point. That was the that was the 500 part of the season. So it would have been a perfectly okay time to let him throw some low leverage innings and get his command. But nope, one three walk outing in the big leagues, and you're into you're banished back back to Arkansas. So I I guess I I think he would be valuable on this roster in September. I think so. I think that extra dog as i put it to you in the bullpen would provide a lot more value even if he's not your number one guy he's not he's probably your fifth or sixth guy in the bullpen but if your fifth and sixth guy has that kind of stuff i think it provides some value and i think it would help out a depleted mariners bullpen as they just went through an entire turn through the rotation and not a single starter got through the sixth inning I would love to see Barroa up here, and if it's not going to be Barroa, again, I'd love to see Casey Sadler get his chance, but I guess time will tell. I am just happy, again, the Mariners are done playing the Reds for the season, because that was enough. If you listen to our episode on Wednesday, by the way, go listen to our Wednesday episode. Ty Pete was on, Mariners' first-round pick in the 2023 draft. Awesome conversation. If you somehow have not listened to that yet, go listen to it. Before you finish this episode, Go listen to that episode, okay? Go listen to Ty Pete. He was fantastic. But a couple things we addressed early in that episode that we'd like to reiterate here today. We're doing a giveaway, a charity raffle with Chasing Aces Golf. We're giving away three Mariners tickets to the September 16th Mariners-Dodgers game. That's Saturday night. It's section 117, row 40, $20 to enter the raffle. It's a really good deal. All the proceeds of the charity raffle go to pause.org helps unsheltered animals find homes throughout America. It's a great cause. So go donate some money, win some great Mariners tickets, and go have a blast watching two of the best teams in baseball on Saturday. It's totally worth it. We really recommend you go do it. We've already raised a few hundred dollars with it, and we look to raise some more. It will close a week from Thursday, so it would have been a week from yesterday when this releases. So go get onto it. Chasing Aces Golf on Instagram has the link. Go click on the link in their bio. You can go find it. Uh, it's fantastic. Go donate. Go go donate to a good cause, and potentially you'll be rewarded with some great Mariners tickets. And again, if you're a podcast listener that enters the raffle and wins, or if you just follow us on social media, tell us. Tell us you're going to be there. And like we said, we'd love to meet up with you before the game. So just let us know. Selfishly, I'm kind of hoping it's a podcast listener that wins this thing. Now, 
all the money goes to a good cause, which is the most important thing. But if somebody's at the game this week, or sorry, not this week, but next weekend, definitely tell us. I am not going to go go through this whole speech again. Just like TJ said, you can go back to Wednesday's episode, which is, I really feel like a must listen. Like you said, Ty Pete was awesome. Could not have been a better interview. But I also gave a speech on why Mariners fans need to get out to the ballpark during Angels Week this week and chant your tails off for Shohei Otani to come to Seattle. And I'll say it again, we're making those index cards. The the draft is made. We just have to physically go print them out now and have them all set and ready. So we're 90% of the way there with the index cards. We're going to have them. We're going to be at the games. We're going to be walking around the stadium, giving them out. So seriously, get out to those games. If you even remotely, slightly want Shohei Otani in Seattle, pay 15 bucks, go to the games this week, and let him hear it. So this is your reminder again. By the way, if you're going to go to those games and you're listening to this podcast, hearing us talk about this, tell us on Twitter too. You can DM us. You can send us a message on Twitter, on Instagram. You can add us on Twitter. We'll reply to you. Tell us you're going to the games. Be like, hey. I can't wait for this, and we will reply, and hopefully we'll get a chance to meet up during those games, too. Because, again, the more people that get into this thing, the better. And we're crossing our fingers, and everyone listening to this podcast, cross your fingers that he plays. He's oh, day-to-day right now. He, he was back in the lineup today, being Wednesday. Oh, he so was. Okay, good. Well, he does have a few it. days to go to get there and stay healthy and feel good. So let's cross our fingers and knock on wood that happens. Feels good this week, and he's rearing to go for his favorite place in America. Soon to be his future home. Well, I can't say that yet definitively, but if you fans get out there and let him hear it, chances only go up. So get to the ballpark. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's on your schedule this week, Mariners fans, but clear it and go to the games. Hey, 641st pitch, even if you have school the next day, the game's over at... Nine, uh, nine o'clock. Sometimes yeah. before that, you live in the Seattle area, you're home before 945 in bed. Boom. Perfect. In bed before 1030. Isn't that the goal? I think that's the goal. I'm going to quote a good friend of ours who he's not a Mariners fan, but is, he is in our ASU friend group. Let me say this to all the fans out there who might be saying, eh, it's a weeknight or I don't know if I'm going to have time. What are you going to remember in 10 years? Are you going to remember the homework that you tried to stay up to do during the first week of school in September of 2023? Or are you going to remember that you helped the cause to get Shohei Otani to Seattle and brought multiple World Series titles to the Pacific Northwest? I would think it's the latter. Oh boy, I am fired up now. Yeah, (laughs) I am fired up. Get to the ballpark, people. That is one of the few quotes that in our friend group is going to get hung on the wall and remembered forever. And it is timeless. It is timeless. So listen to Lyle. Think of what you're actually going to remember and tell your grandkids in 50 years. Did you see Shohei Otani or did you finish your math homework? I'll leave the rest to that. Let's get to our Mariners storylines. 
This fall, stream your favorites and discover more with Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus together. Watch the highly anticipated new season of Loki and see the ghosts materialize in Haunted Mansion on Disney Plus. Catch more frights with the Boogeyman and American Horror Story Delicate on Hulu. And on ESPN Plus, get into the action with college football and NFL. All of these and more streaming now. Get the Disney Bundle with plans starting at $9.99 a month. Plans with ESPN Plus starting at $14.99 a month. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Up first, we have this conversation about the Mariners' first base position going forward here in 2023 and what it will look like in 2024. There's currently some options, Lyle. So right now, how do you look at this Mariners' first base position in the 2024 season? There's three options, so let's lay them out. You can either stick with Ty France for the long term. He has two more years of club control before he hits free agency, so he'll be a free agent after the 2025 season. You could go out and acquire somebody from outside the organization, whether that be a free agent or a trade, and you could potentially move on from Ty France. or you can put your belief in Tyler Locklear, which a lot of people have, wait for him to be big league ready, get up to the show, and essentially have France just be the bridge guy until Locklear gets here. Those are the three options we're looking at. And where do I think they're leaning? Well, they could go either three ways. I feel like they're leaning closer to option three if I had to pick any of them. Really? Like you're, you you think the team is is leaning that way? I think so because or, I just I think they have a lot of loyalty toward Ty France, and I know there was trade rumors this year about would they ship him away, but something just tells me they they might want to stick with him, and they're not immediately itching to go get somebody else. And I think it more than anything might speak volumes to what they think about Tyler Locklear. And I think a lot of people genuinely believe that guy is the first baseman of the future and has tools to be a very productive major league first baseman between his bat to ball skills, his big time power, and his ability to potentially hit in the middle of the lineup one day. So I think that might be the direction they're leaning, along with the fact that there's not a whole lot out there in terms of the market. So here's what I think. If I'm thinking of what the team thinks for 2024 right now, I think the team thinks Ty France is their 2024 first baseman. I could be wrong, and they could go swing a trade for Pete Alonso in the offseason and blow all that out of the water. But as of right now, it seemed, their confidence looks like it's in Ty France. When I look at Ty France, the season he's having right now is replaceable. It's absolutely replaceable. If you look at it across the board, he's got... Uh, a 105 WRC plus, which is 17th among first basemen. He is 20th among first basemen in F war. The only real outlier stat or not even outlier. I would say good stat he's had in this season is he's got 31 doubles this season. That's one off his career high that he set in 2021. He's also been hit by 30 pitches, which is Mariners club record. So those are the only real notables of Ty France's offensive season in 2023 he's not really he's getting on base a little bit more than he did last year even though overall he was a better hitter last year but his slugging numbers are so far down 10 home runs for a first baseman who's only hitting 250 yes I just used average 
but his OPS is also very low and his WRC plus is near average. So I think that it checks out that his average is also near league average as well. So when you combine all those together, together along with what Fangraphs grades as a subpar defender at first base, he's made some nice plays. I've seen people call for gold gloves for Ty France at first, and I think he's fine over there. But Fangraphs rates him via outs above average and arm strength as a net negative defender. That's replaceable. So what do I think they should do? If So if the Mariners go into next season and saying we're going all out to win a championship next year, like all out, full send, and they don't, win, don't get Shohei Otani in the offseason, I think the option is acquiring a first baseman on the trade market, and I think that's Pete Alonso. I think that's it. I think that's a logical thing. Hey, we uh, we don't have all the $700, $600 million committed to Shohei Otani in the offseason. He decided to go to the LA Dodgers. Let's trade for a first baseman who does something that Ty France doesn't do, and it's for a shit ton of power. He's got one year left, and we can extend him for, you could probably get Pete Alonso to sign a five-year extension, I assume. That sounds about right. And then then you have your first base of the future doing what typical first basemen do for the next handful of seasons while your young core around him stays intact. I just don't know if the Mariners are willing to fork up the package for Pete Alonso. I think the Mets are going to ask for a lot. We've seen what they got back for Verlander. We've seen what they gotten back for Max Scherzer. Those guys are way older than Alonso. I think they're going to ask for a lot if they even move on from that guy. And I don't know if the Mariners would be willing to do that. Truthfully, if they were to go acquire Pete Alonso, part of that package would probably be Tyler Locklear. And I don't know if the Mariners would be willing to ship him away or not with the idea that you might only keep Alonzo for one year because he might just walk in free agency. Now, if you feel like you can lock him up to an extension, great. And that's a different story. They didn't do it with Teoscar Hernandez this year with a year left. I don't know if there's any guaranteeing you could do it with Alonzo. That's fair. I, I don't. Th- you're right. I don't think the Mariners would trade for Pete if he wasn't going to sign an extension because I don't know if they would give up that kind of capital. But I, if Pete Alonzo was here willing to sign an extension, I wouldn't have any problem giving away Tyler Locklear and probably one of your blue chippers, potentially one of your first round picks from this year. You have three of them. You're not not all of them are going to make the big league roster with the Mariners that we know. So if you're trying to go win a championship, I'd say Pete Alonzo's a pretty good guy to do that. I mean, overall, this dude just mashes. He does everything you want at first base. Slugs 529 this year. He has 42 home runs, seventh among first basemen WRC plus at 131, and seventh in F4 as well. He would make them better. He would absolutely make them better. If you worry about park factors too, the Mets are a bottom five park factor team for hitters. The Mariners are last. So, I mean, there's not really too much difference there, and Pete continues to slug anyways. As long as they're not trading Ty Pete, I'm good. Yeah, that's true. They they can trade or, someone else. Yeah, Ty Pete's like, our guy. He's got to stay. He's yeah. under contract with the Marine Lair podcast to not leave the Mariners organization. Correct. Like we're we're indebted to him now. So yeah, you can't trade him away. No, you can't trade him. Nope. Now let's put Pete Alonso aside here for a second, because if that is not your solution, here's what's on the market next year in terms of free agents: Reese Hoskins, who, in case you need a reminder has missed all of 2023 with an injury. So he's probably signing a one-year prove-it deal and trying to get himself back on track to then go sign a bigger contract after 2024. Maybe that's an option if you bought into Reese Hoskins 
being healthy enough to bounce back. The other options are Josh Bell as an opt-out. I don't know if he takes it or not. That was essentially the second best option. The free agent market at first base is thin. And then outside of Alonzo for the Mets, I don't know how many teams are interested in dealing off a first baseman, which is why I kind of side to this idea of if it's not going to be Pete, the free agent market is not intriguing, and they're really in love with Tyler Locklear. There's no saying by the all-star break of 2024 that Locklear couldn't be ready to go and take on more playing time, especially since he'll start next year in double A. And if you bridge France till then and then he becomes a bench bat, I think that's possible. Who's a better hitter next year in the big leagues, Ty France or Tyler Locklear? That's so tough because obviously some rookies are going to take some time to adjust. Obviously, my guess here would be France because that would be putting a lot on Locklear. And that's that's what I'm getting at here. Are the Mariners trying to win a championship next year? Yeah, of course they are. It's but so, but I, I feel like we just answered the question right there. But is Ty France your championship first baseman? Do you believe that? Well, Tyler Locklear, if that the answer to that question is correct, Tyler Locklear is not not next year. He could be in the future, but not next year because we're we're this segment I think is talking about next year. Unless he just totally lights the world on fire, which isn't impossible, but it's not likely. Right. It, it, like it is possible. There's lots of things possible. I, I don't, I don't mind the idea of Reese Hoskins at his peak. He's what 80% of Pete Alonzo's power output potentially walks a decent amount. He's not going to hit for a high average, but it, like he would give you, he would be a productive first baseman. That's for sure. And there's always the option that Ty France could bounce back. I mean, he's still creeping. How old's Ty France exactly? 28? Yeah. 28, 29. Yeah, so he's still like in his quote unquote peak years. He could always turn it around. There's just a few tweaks here and there that Ty France could do, and he could end up going back to having a 120 to 130 WRC plus last year. I don't think that hitter's gone. He's just had some frustrating tendencies this year. If you look at it, his quality of contact this year is a little bit better than it was last year, and his average launch angle is higher. His average batted ball launch angle is a little bit higher. His his exit velocity is a little bit higher than it was last year. His expected slugging is a little bit higher than it was last year. Meanwhile, last year we said this is an acceptable tie France offensive season, and this year is unacceptable. But some of his expected numbers are better than they were last year that he's having this year. He just so happens to, A, ground into a frustrating amount of double plays, and B, not have the power output that's expected to him by by the expected stats. So Ty's 29. He turned 29 about two months ago. So he's newly 29 years old. He's got the two years of club control after this year. And you just outlined it. 2020, he was really good. 2021, he was really good. Both those years, he sat right around a 125 to 130 WRC+. He was the perfect number two hitter. And then in 2022, before that injury in Oakland, He's lighting the world on fire. He was top 10 in the league in WRC+. But if you want to look at 2021 Ty France, because I feel like if Ty France puts up that type of year every year, everybody's happy. When he did that year, he was the perfect number two hitter where he hit a lot of doubles, made a ton of bat-to-ball contact, hit 17 to 20 homers a year, and played solid enough defense at first base. It's a really good number two hitter. But since that injury, he's been pretty league average. So it's just about do the Mariners believe he can get back to what he once was? 
or is this trend going to continue? And I love the new new stats they have on baseball savant of they have uh, bat, batting run value, base running run value, and fielding run value. He provides average batting run value, average fielding run value, and bad base running run value, which is not surprising if you ever watched Ty France run. He's he's not exactly a burner, which is, I think, one of the main reasons people want him gone, honestly, is they hate watching him ground into double plays. But... Uh, the the thing is, when you compare that 21 season to this version of Ty France, the on-base percentage, there's a little bit of a gap there. But doubles-wise, he's in the same ballpark. Home run-wise, he's a few homers off, which is leads to the difference in slugging percentage. I mean, that's kind of it right there. Not Less over-the-wall power and a sl- slightly less on-base percentage. But, you know, overall, it's not a, a huge, massive gap of difference. Can we talk about that one, four, six? put out against the Reds. I know Ellie De La Cruz has the best arm maybe on planet Earth, but how does a ball ricochet off multiple players and you still get thrown out? Yeah, I don't know. I know you've asked question you've asked questions in on the on the field interviews with the guys who's the fastest guy on the team. Well I think we know what the next question is. Do you have the stones to ask that question? Okay, so when I asked Logan Gilbert if you could take a teammate's trend or a, a trade of a teammate and steal it for your own game, who would it be? Logan said, I'm taking Julio's speed because he'd want to be fast. And I said, What? Are you going to pinch run at some point? He's like, Well, they said for something like that, I was basically dead last on the list. So what Logan's saying is he is actually slower than Ty France. The, pro- the, the thing Logan has going for him, though, he's got long strides, he's got that reach. Ty. Okay. Doesn't doesn't have long strides. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. I've got an idea here for if the Mariners are going to stick with Ty France both next year and moving forward. Can they send him to driveline this winter like they did with JP? I'm down. That sounds good. I think they should send the entire team to driveline. Sure, but I'm talking. But if you're just going to pinpoint one player, Ty specifically, I think could seriously benefit from it. I think it's fair to say, right, that when they're both at their best, Ty France is a better pure hitter than J.P. Crawford, right? J.P.'s having the better year. Ty's a better pure hitter. Yes. So if you just send J.P. to driveline all winter and he just made these massive steps forward at the plate where he's having a phenomenal season, by the way, here we are on September 6th and his OPS is sitting right around 830. I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card. So all credit in the world to J.P. If J.P. can fix some things, I don't see why Ty France can't fix some things. And if we're thinking about it, they're struggling kind of with the same thing, not hitting the ball hard enough and not hitting for enough power. Really, mm-hmm. that, like that was JP's main thing. He needed to hit the ball harder and he mm-hmm. needed to hit it more consistently to really complement his good eye at the plate. Well, it's worked out pretty well. So Ty France, a guy who's in the bottom, what, 20% of the league in terms of hard hit rate. That sounds good to me. Elevate and celebrate, baby. That's that's how we win. That's what we stand for on this podcast. Always. Not Julio dropping down bunts. Nope. So. Yeah. Don't do that anymore, Julio. Before we get to our second storyline here, quick word from our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. That's Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. It is on 85th Street in 
Rose Hill in Kirkland. And by the way, guys, it's got really good parking. It's east of I-405. And it's got some of the best pizza in town. I mean, they just went through this whole renovation where they're making some changes to it all in a positive way. It's still going to be your local neighborhood watering hole, but it's now Pagacha's Pub 85, and it's got good quality food. They like to say it's not trendy, it's not fancy, it's just good, along with the fact that they've got all the beers and hard liquor you could possibly ask for. They've got 22 TVs in there. So if you want to go watch sports, whether it's the Mariners, whether with football season coming up, college, NFL, they'll have it all on. And it's a really fun place to hang out. I can tell you that I've been there more than a handful of times. I really like going there. I think when TJ comes back, we're going to head over there. We want you guys to head over there too, because they're a really, really good place to go check out. So that's Pub 85, uh, Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Go check it out. You won't regret it. Okay, second storyline here. Why is nobody recording strikeouts in the Mariners rotation all of a sudden? That's the million dollar question. It's, I think, there's a couple things. I think it's partially matchup. I think it is partially fatigue from your two youngest arms. And I think it is partially pitching style for certain pitchers, as we've highlighted. So like, what's the like? Let's look at the, the easiest one to look at of why there's not many strikeouts. Brian Wu, come on down. You're contestant number one. Brian Wu across his last six starts has had two separate outings where he's not struck out a single batter. About a month ago, he faced the Arizona Diamondbacks, had no strikeouts, and his latest start against the Cincinnati Reds on Monday, no strikeouts across five innings. He had. In between those starts, he had five strikeouts versus the Oakland A's, three versus the Chicago White Sox, and six versus the Angels. Brian Wu's not a, like he's not Spencer Strider. Let's just get that out. <laughs> he's not going to strike out 245 batters in Strider's what 140 innings he's got this year. That's not going to be the case. But if you take a look at Brian Wu's velocity chart, if you take a look at some of his command models, if you look at just anything that looks at consistency, you'll see that Brian Wu's got a got a downtrend going this direction. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If you're listening, I would go check us out on YouTube so you can see me pointing down. He's getting a little tired, and I think that comes with the territory. The matchups, again, don't help him all that much because some of those teams are pretty good contact teams as well, but it's also a deterioration of stuff. A little bit as well. It's it's getting late in the season. These guys are getting a little tired. So if you stretch out the four starts that Luis, Kirby, Wu, and Miller made in both the Mets series and the Red series combined in those four games, they struck out seven hitters. Like four separate starters combined to strike out seven hitters. That's not good. That's not enough strikeouts. And I can already hear some of the baseball boomers out there kind of shaking their fist and say, well, what's wrong with some ground balls? What's wrong with letting the guys put the ball in play and relying on your defense? I'm also thinking of that Kevin Costner quote, the Crash Davis quote from Bull Durham, where, what does he say? He says, get some ground balls. It's more democratic. <laughs> have, you, have you seen Bull Durham, by the way? I have. It's been forever. Okay. Great baseball movie. There is a reason that teams value strikeouts so highly these days. It is, and it's not because they look cool and are fancy. No, it's because they are much more self-dependent than relying on anybody else and having bad luck factors play 
into things. Strikeouts are the most efficient way to get guys out, and you don't have to worry about anything else. It is all on you. And when you have guys that can strike batters out, it kind of keep. I mean, when you have guys that can strike batters out, it is much easier for the flow of the game to swing in your direction for the most part. Here, Lyle, let me let me help you win this argument in one stat. Okay. If you look at the top ten teams in strikeout percentage, nine of nine of the top ten are in playoff position. There you go. That's it. That's all you need. You're welcome. It, like strikeouts correlate to success. You want to be mad about that? Go ask the baseball gods if you're a baseball boomer. Well, what's wrong with putting the ball in play? No, well, strikeouts translate to success. And there is a reason that over these four games that were started by Luis and Kirby in Queens, and then Wu and Miller in Cincinnati, the team did not fare well. And they weren't striking guys out. When these guys are striking out hitters, things usually go a lot differently. Now, if I think for a guy like Kirby, the best attribute about him is that he can go distance, right? And he's, as we've noted, he's not the biggest strikeout guy in the world. He is a guy that if he's not striking guys out, he's, for the most part, doing okay. Sometimes that's not always the case. But a lot of the times, you know, he only strikes out seven Orioles, but he goes nine shutout and is that's probably the most dominant outing we've seen all season by a Mariners starter. Again, while only striking out seven batters, you you can absolutely function without strikeouts. But you watch those four games, Lyle, the, were the Mariners pitchers functioning in, in those four starts? Last two against the Mets, first two against the Reds? No, not really. I, I, I mean, they were functioning. It's not like they got injured. They were out there pitching, but it wasn't translating to much success. I'll tell you, their win percentage was not going up in those games. No, if we look at Bryce Miller on Tuesday versus the Reds, you'd say, oh, wow, he went five and one. Who cares if he only struck out two? It's like, okay, did you watch? Did you watch any of that? Like, (laughs) he probably should have given up more than one run. That's for sure. Oh, I think Bryce Miller's expected batting average at the end of those five innings was close to 400. I think it was over 400. Oh, so it was over. Yeah, look, you'll take five and one, but that was one of the most stressful five-inning one-run starts I feel like I've watched in some time. I think it's most concerning out of any of the pitchers that it is for Bryce because the way he pitches, more contact is not a good thing. So, like, he's a guy who throws high in the strike zone, he throws hard, he throws a high-spin fastball, and he's gunning for swings and misses, especially with his fastball, which is his put-away pitch. But when that pitch doesn't, you don't swing and miss at it, it gets hit pretty hard. It comes in hard, it's, you know, it's a rising fastball, but it, it gets hit hard, it's not a ground ball pitch, so it gets hit in the air, and hard hits in the air, for the most part, will do damage. Right, like that's how baseball is played. Hit the ball in the air, hit it hard, and you're most likely going to do damage. And that's why Bryce Miller's tried introducing a sinker. It's had a varying level of success. Helps him balance out when he doesn't get a bunch of punch outs. But Bryce Miller, like overall, like so not only is his contact profile not, not situated to not strike guys out, but he's also just not striking guys out. It has been over a month since he struck out more than seven guys in a start. He really needs a third pitch, and that's going to have to happen this winter where he'll have more time to work on it, but it's very evident he could benefit from another pitch in that arsenal. We've talked about the idea of him adding a splitter before. I think this offseason he's got to commit to it. 
Yeah. And if we think about the rest of the starters, I mean, guys like Luis, guys like George Kirby, they have sinkers that they use a lot. And that's not a strikeout pitch. That's a that's a get contact pitch. That's a that's a like trying to be more efficient with your pitch count, which, to be honest, over the last five turns in the rotation, the five starts in the rotation, we've been begging for some more efficiency, but we haven't really gotten it. So it, it is a balance, right? When you pitch to contact, sometimes you also just get unlucky. So that's that's kind of what's happened. Uh, but I am slightly concerned with the with the lack of strikeouts because that is a signal for guys who are very much capable of getting strikeouts that the stuff is deteriorating down a little bit, which is not a good thing as you're in a division race. Brian Wu's velo has been trending down for a while now, which is not unexpected considering he is way past the inning total that we all thought he would throw this year. But if they're really going to rely on him and Bryce Miller down the stretch, they have got to find a way to catch a second wind here. And if you're the Mariners, you basically have to look at their starts is as we need to split the Bryce Wu, Brian, Bryce Wu, the Brian Wu, (laughs) Bryce Miller starts going forward because you have to find, you cannot just drop two in a row every fourth and fifth day out moving forward when you're in a pennant race and when you're in a division race and when you're trying to get into the playoffs. Brian Wu and Bryce Miller need to find a way to catch a little bit of a wind again and get their swagger back. And the team is going to have to find a way to squeak out wins when those guys are on the mound. How are they going to break those up? Like they got to move one of them away from the other one in the rotation. Like it has to happen. Are they going to do that this late in the season? Well, would you want them starting back-to-back games? They're So they're going to have to start back-to-back games in this race series against a very good offense. You don't have that many more off days to jumble your rotation around is the only thing. Now, maybe they use that Thursday off day before the Dodger series as a chance to reset a little bit. Maybe that's a way they can get woo a few extra days rest, and then you do break those guys up. But time's running out, and if you decide to roll with the rotation that you have right now in the order that it's in, you're going to have to find a way to at least go one and one every fourth and fifth day because you can't keep dropping two in a row if you want to get into the playoffs. I know. I'm thinking about it in a bullpen sense, too, with, with the lack of off days. Having those two back-to-back where you don't know if you're even getting four-plus, right? I think that's where our confidence level is at, like four-plus with, with those guys on each of their starts. That's a lot to ask back-to-back days. And let's clarify, long-term, we think both Bryce Miller and Brian Wu are going to be vital pieces of this rotation. We just outlined on one of our previous shows how good Brian Wu could be going forward and how just ridiculous his stuff is and how he's the perfect profile for the modern pitcher. This is not about their career trajectories. This is just about these guys have both exceeded what their innings totals were supposed to be in 2023, or at least what we thought it was going to be. Maybe Bryce had a longer leash than Wu because he was more built up. But this is the most they've ever thrown. They are starting to wear down a little bit. And this team has to win games to get into the playoffs. So it's just for this season alone. Yeah, it just gets a little bit nerve wracking. This is not an indictment in any way on what they could be going forward. Yeah, they the Mariners need to win games right now. And tired rookie starting pitchers are are unfortunately not a help to that. So we're going to we're going to see how they manage it there. I think they're going to do something. I don't know what that something is. There are still guys they can call up to pitch. If they absolutely need to, there still are. So we'll see. We'll see what cut, what they'll dip into. Who would that even be? I guess it would be like Tommy Malone or somebody at this point, but 
but yeah, Stephen Kolick, maybe. Yeah, potential someone in someone in Tacoma. It's too bad they had that six man rotation idea just a few weeks ago, and now injuries have started to kind of build up a little bit. But you're right; we'll see where it goes, and and hopefully the perfect solution would be Wu and Miller just find some life, and then you don't have to worry about this. But it'll be something to watch here going forward. Before we get to the rest of our show, wanted to talk to you about another sponsor of ours, Columbia Athletic Clubs. The Columbia Athletic Club in Juanita Bay in Kirkland is a full-service, family-owned athletic club that's been inspiring healthier lives since 1981. Amenities include all-new strength and cardio equipment, free weights, basketball and squash courts, saltwater pools, and hot tubs, along with so much more. Included with your membership are group exercise classes with the likes of yoga, Zumba, bar, group power, and cycling. The best promotions of the year start now through the fall season. Get started with a free five-day trial today at ColumbiaAthletic.com. That's ColumbiaAthletic.com. Let's go down on the farm. Okay, Lyle, who do you have? A little bit of a unique one this week. Because it is not a minor leaguer, but it is somebody who is currently playing in the minor leagues. We haven't talked about it a whole ton. I figured now would be a pretty good time to kind of look in on Jared Kelnick's rehab assignment. And it's looked pretty good so far. You know, if I get a chance to talk about Jared Kelnick, I'm going to take it. So in Tacoma, he is currently 9 for 21. He's hitting 429. He's got three doubles, a home run. His OPS is 1234. And he's also got a stolen base. I think that's pretty good. I think you miss him. I think I do miss him like very much. I can't wait for him to be back. You know that's my guy. I know. And I, I'm looking forward to having him back. If we're going to put on our tinfoil hats and predict, by the time we sit down and record our next episode of this podcast, episode number 55, he's going to be back. That's what I'm guessing. So they're in Salt Lake right now. Mariners will be home on Monday against the Angels. I would imagine he's going to be in that Monday lineup. I guess there's a chance they could send him to Tampa beforehand, but I'm with you. If I had to guess, you will see him reactivated on Monday and be in the lineup against the Angels. Now, there's only so much preparation you can do to get ready for big league pitching because the only way you can truly get ready for big league pitching is to see big league pitching. But if you watch his at-bats in Tacoma, he looks comfortable. He seems like he has his timing back. And for what they've asked him to do on this rehab assignment, he's done it. So there's not much more you could ask of what Jared's doing in Tacoma right now. I I think he's just about all but ready. I know you felt bad in this segment for not picking a true minor leaguer. Well, to make up for that, I'm essentially going to pick three quarters of the Mariners' farm system to highlight today in On the Farm. How about some of these results team-wise in the Mariners' farm system? First of all, the Modesto what's, what's, the Modesto Nuts today won their 15th game in a row. 15 games in a row. Just a reminder, in the minor leagues, they play six-game series. So they play from usually Tuesday through Sunday. They have Monday off to travel or just chill at home. So they've essentially gone three entire weeks without losing. That's kind of impressive. But not just the nuts. The Everett Aquasucks clinched a spot in the Northwest League playoffs earlier this week. Congrats to them. Also, Tacoma, the Rainiers, are only a game out of first place 
in the PCL. Win-loss-wise, it's been a pretty good season for the Mariners minor leagues. The only team that's been scuffling is Arkansas. They are fourth in their division right now. So hats off to the system for winning games. The Mariners minor leaguers, in terms of just success in the win-loss column... The last few years have been really good. And you figured, oh, once this core gets up to the big leagues, the Julios, the Kelnicks, the Kirbys, the Gilberts, the Raleigh's, etc., maybe they'd start to take a dip. That has not happened. Look at the system this year. They've been really good. It's filled with talent. They're winning games. 15 in a row for the nuts. That's two and a half series. That's two and a half whole series where they haven't lost. That's crazy. With a roster primarily filled of 22 to 18 year olds it's pretty good it's really good i know we're talking about teams as a whole i guess this always could be somebody we highlight down the road too but while we're talking about everett and how they clinch their spot in the playoffs sam carlson last few months out of the bullpen he's been awesome like he's been genuinely awesome yeah he has been really good yeah and that's just so happy to see because some of you might forget Sam Carlson was a first round pick supposed to be a starter in 2017. Yeah. Second rounder, but close enough. Or second rounder. I think he was projected as a first rounder, but he was okay. Regardless, he got paid quite a lot of money by the Mariners to be a starter and missed four years. Most of 2017. Yeah. 28. I mean, he was drafted in 2017, so there wasn't going to be that much time. But yeah, 2018, 2019, obviously COVID didn't give minor leaguers any chance to play any games in 2020. He missed a lot of time. And now now finally he's back out on the field and he's found his niche in the organization. And hopefully as a reliever, he can accelerate quickly. That'd be great. And I think it's pretty easy to see that a lot of people root for Sam because not only is he, I mean, obviously he's popular on social media, which is great, but genuinely he's, he's like a great dude. He takes pictures with all these fans and talks to people after the games. You see it all the time. So I think he's got a lot of people in his corner, us certainly being two of them. Absolutely. Let's get to our MLB wraparound. Okay, Lyle, up first, kind of a shaky situation in LA. All of a sudden, the second best team in the National League is in a bit of a flux. They have lost a lot in their rotation this year. So Julio Urias is not going to be pitching again this season. He may not pitch in professional baseball ever again. We will leave it at that. Obviously, if you want more details, you can go look up why that is. Obviously, social media, Google, you can do whatever you want. But Julio Urias is not going to be pitching again. So here's what the Dodgers have lost in their rotation this year. They have now lost Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Michael Grove, Clayton Kershaw's healthy now, but he was on the IL for a significant amount of time this year. And oh, by the way, they have not had Walker Bueller all season. He's still recovering from Tommy John. He's getting close to returning. That's a lot to lose in a rotation, and it's getting harder and harder for these guys to find pitchers to throw out there every fifth day and walker just had his first rehab outing where he threw two innings excuse me earlier i think earlier this week he threw two innings and he's supposed to pitch again here soon but that's it and 
I was looking at this, Lyle. So the Dodgers played the Braves this last weekend. The Braves took three of four in that series and looked like the better team for the most part, even though those two teams have the best record, the two best records in the National League. So here are the Dodgers starting four in that series. Bobby Miller, Emmett, Sheehan, 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 however you say that, Uh, Julio Urias, and Lance Lynn. Is that a playoff four? By the way, only three of those guys now are currently probably going to pitch the Dodgers again this season. Is that a trio you're throwing out there to trust in a playoff series? No. (laughs) I was going to say, right now after Kershaw and Bobby Miller, for the time being, it's Lance Lynn, Demet Sheehan. What they do with that fifth spot, we'll see. It could be somebody like Ryan Pepio, but options are getting more and more limited. Now, you look at what they might do in October, barring injury, and if these guys stay healthy, you will have Kershaw and Bobby Miller essentially slotted into your playoff rotation for sure. Bobby Miller, by the way, has been a pretty sensational rookie. He's been really good. In fact, he looks pretty similar to Walker Buehler, which is probably part of the reason the Dodgers really liked him when they drafted him. But you're going to have to find somebody else. you got to have a third starter. Could it be Walker Buehler? Could he get on the field in time for the playoffs? Yes. Is that a lot to ask of a guy coming off his second Tommy John surgery to jump right back into the fire and start pitching playoff games and try to go six innings? I think that's a lot to ask. Would he start? What are your other options behind Kershaw Miller? Could you get him? So again, if he just threw two innings in his first rehab start this week, is he going to be stretched out to six full fire innings in three weeks when the season ends? I don't know. Now, maybe maybe he could start and go four to five innings. Maybe on the safer side, you'd say four, and then you have to piggyback someone or go with your bullpen the rest of the way. But again, the, the Dodgers has the Dodgers have not fared well in their rotation this year, especially as of late, which makes sense. They've had all these injuries. But you're going to have to find some solution here in the playoffs because you need a third starter behind Kershaw and Bobby Miller. And I feel like if you're the Dodgers, you're probably going to end up going with Walker Buehler, even if it's on a shorter leash, than trying to rely on somebody like Emmett Sheehan. And Kershaw just came off a start in Miami where he was shaky. He was shaky. His velo was down two miles an hour. He averaged 88 on his fastball. There's a couple Dodgers people we follow on Twitter, and they were a little nervous watching old Kershaw pitch, wondering how he's feeling at this point. So I don't know. It's it's all shaky. And overall, like the Dodgers usually have a great pitching staff. But this year, I mean, they're 16th in ERA. They're 11th in F4. They're 16th in strikeout rate. They're 14th in FIP. This just isn't a Dodgers rotation I see that can win a World Series. I don't know how they're going to how I don't know how they beat a, the Braves in a in a seven game series. I don't see how they match up offensively. I don't see how they match up in the rotation. And I don't see how they match up in the bullpen. I feel like the Braves have the advantage in all three facets. I just don't know how the Braves lose, period. I, I'd be pretty shocked if they don't win the World Series. Right. Well, then again, the Dodgers won 111 games last year and won one playoff game, losing to the Dodgers. Sure. So you never know. No, it's true. You don't know. But you just said it on paper the matchups significantly favor the Braves. Like, don't get us wrong. The Dodgers were really good last year, but that Padres team from a season ago was really good. I mean, electric offense. They had enough pitching. Crowd was electric in San Diego. Like, yeah, I wasn't like, 
did I think the Padres were going to win that series? No. Was I absolutely shocked that they did? Also, no. I would be pretty shocked if this Braves team can't get out of the National League. Also, were you surprised that Ronald Acuna had one oh one twenty one and a half in his back pocket on that swing? <laughs> that was crazy. I'm not. Sh- I mean, again, I'm I, like I try not to be shocked by anything players like Ronald Acuna do these days, but I wouldn't get in the way of that baseball. I'm gonna be honest. I was kind of shocked. I did like 121. That like that's Judge and Stanton and period. Okay, maybe I was a little shocked. Yeah, 121 to straightaway center field. Usually those are pull shots. That's uh, that's pretty good. What what an electric guy Ronald is, and what a sneaky good MVP race this is in the National League as well. Mookie and Ronald are two of the best players in baseball. Mookie's really made up a bunch of ground on him. So if there's one like positive the Dodgers have, I mean, they have a duo at the top of their lineup, Mookie and Freddie. Many teams in baseball, I don't even think the if there's one advantage, I would say the Dodgers have. I mean, it might be one, two in the lineup, I would say. That's that's pretty hard to match. Before we get to our next MLB wraparound topic, a word from our friends at Simply Seattle. Make sure, guys, go check out Simply Seattle. You can use our code MARINE15 to get all your Mariners gear you want. They have some of the best Mariners gear out there. Not just Mariners, though. They have Seahawks. They have Huskies. They have Sonics as well. Please, like, go out to go out to Simply Seattle. They have a deal for a Come to Seattle shirt for Shohei Otani. It's got a Mariners colors and a 17 on the back of that shirt. I believe it's only $20 online at simplyseattle.com. Use our code MARINE15. And, yeah, it's great. They're, they make fantastic fantastic gear and we uh think you should go buy some stuff out there so go to simply seattle use our code marine 15 for your favorite mariners seahawks huskies sonics and all other pacific northwest gear at simplyseattle.com. here's what you're gonna do you're gonna go buy a come to seattle shirt for shohei otani and then the money you were gonna go use at starbucks you're gonna boycott not spend your money at starbucks and go buy sonic's gear from simply seattle instead and use code marine 15 i like that idea lyle well you wouldn't have to tell me twice second storyline here on our mlb wraparound so the rangers are just collapsing wow this has got to be like one of the happiest three week stretches for us this season not just with the mariners playing but if the mariners like played slightly worse and this was still happening to the Rangers, we would be still just as happy. I mean, man, watching this collapse and then watching some of the factions of Mariners Twitter tweet through it, trying to justify what they were trying to claim <laughs> at the beginning of the season and the correct way to win and the correct way to construct a roster. Well, guess it's time for some people to admit they were wrong. Uh-oh. I don't know how the Rangers turned this around, though, to be honest. They are in a tailspin. I have not seen a what I qualify as a good team do in, what, 2011, right? Wasn't it? It's the Red Sox who really collapsed that year. I think that's really the only thing else I can think of. Can you think of another team like that? There was a race in the AL West around that time. It was a couple years after. I want to say 2012 or 2013. And I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong. It was between the Rangers and the A's. That part I know. One of those teams collapsed at the very end, and the other stole the division. And I, I'm gonna look it up here on the spot. 
But I think it might have been these, the Rangers. So the Rangers were the ones that came back and won, you mean? No, I think they might have been the ones. You look it up so we don't get our okay. backs mixed up. I will. But before that, I just want to say that these 2023 Rangers fell out of a playoff spot on Tuesday night for the first time since April 8th. Yeah, that's a long time. They have lost 15 of their last 19 games, and their bullpen is beyond disastrous. Disastrous might be a friendly term at this point. Yeah, what kind of terminology would would we use for a bullpen that in their last 12 save opportunities have converted two? Is there a stronger word than disastrous? Embarrassment? I don't know. That's insane. The Texas Rangers, could you imagine a playoff team that has blown more save chances on the entire season than they have, than they've converted for a whole season? Like, think about that. A playoff team. That doesn't seem right. That seems like something the A's can do. The A's have won more games in the last three weeks than the Rangers have. (laughs) <laughs> think about this <laughs> is this absurd i have a stat for you this comes from the wonderful bob nightingale uh <laughs> yeah the the astros in their three game sweep this week of the rangers began the first team in mlb history to score at least 12 runs and hit at least five home runs in three consecutive games now i could very well end up being wrong with that stat because of the source but just because it sounds good, I'm going to run with it right now. <laughs> so there's been some historic run scoring against the Rangers during this 19-game streak. The Astros scored, uh, hit 16 home runs and had 50 hits in three games. I was going to say, how much do you trust your citations on that one, on the Nightingale stat? Pretty low. It's like a lot of my citations in college. <laughs> man that series could not have been more one-sided the Astros unfortunately and this is the other end of the coin for the Mariners is the Astros are starting to get really really hot at the perfect time and look like kind of the Astros of old so we'll see how that unfolds as the next few weeks play out the Rangers on the other hand even if they find a way to sneak into the playoffs at this point they can't possibly win a round right you have to have good relief pitching to win in the playoffs How is this team going to save a single game against quality opponents? It's not even just their bullpen, though. I mean, do you want to take your victory lap on Scherzer today? Three innings, six hits, seven earned. So I will give Max Scherzer this. Up until this start, he'd been pretty solid. This was a disaster. And they got Nathan Evaldi back off the IL this week, and he pitched a terrible start in his first outing back. I mean, we can't say enough things about how awful this bullpen's been. Like, even guys, like, Jose Leclerc's probably been their best guy at this point, and he's been fine. But guys like Brock Burke, who were so good for the Rangers last year, he's come back to earth more, and obviously Chapman's been not what they traded for. Oh, by the way, can you believe what the Royals got back in that trade? Cole Reagans has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Did did he not win Pitcher of the Month? He did. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I remember I was kind of glad the Mariners didn't face him. Like, who the hell is this? Throw a lefty throw a 99. Ooh, yeah, he's been pretty good. Yeah, I did look it up. So it was the Rangers that blew it in 2012 to the A's hmm. who on the last day of the season 
won the division. And it seemed Can like you remind the Rangers me what the Rangers that. did to finish the 2011 season again? Was it a 7-5 lead in the 10th inning, right? Oh. Uh, ninth inning, mm-hmm. if, if you're talking about the David Freeze triple. Oh, which seven, that, five, it was 7-5 in the ninth inning and then 9-7 in the 10th inning. There yeah. we go. Yeah. They were so sorry, Rangers fans. If there are any Rangers fans listening, we're not sorry. I am a little bit sorry about 2011 because do you remember who kind of lost on that World Series? I remember who pitched in that series out of the bullpen for the Rangers. One of my favorite Mariners relievers of all time. It was Mark Lowe? No, different Mark. (laughs) Oh, was it Scrabble? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, not who I'm getting at here, though. Do you remember who missed the play in right field for the freeze triple? Yeah, it was Nelly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know who, why the hell he was out there. Which, that's on the Rangers. He should not have been out in the outfield in that ninth inning anyway. And if, if, if I remember right, he was also pretty banged up in that series. So why they didn't find a defensive replacement for him, I don't know. But yeah, the, the Rangers have kind of coughed up some pretty bad leads over time. And even what was it in 2016 when they won the West and and they won all those one run games? Everybody knew they were kind of fluky, and then they got swept and lost um, and got bounced out of the playoffs. It seems like if they get into the playoffs this year again, it's kind of going to be the same thing because they just do not have the bullpen to hold up. Just just think about this: three weeks ago, the Rangers were on pace for their best record in franchise history, and now they might miss the playoffs. Pretty incredible. Pretty crazy how fast a season can turn. It's going to be sad times on Mariners Twitter. All these people that, all these self-proclaimed Rangers fans that, for whatever reason, tweet about the Mariners. Well, they're going to be they're going to be a bunch of sad people. Lyle, I thought if you tried to win the division in the off season and did everything possible to win the division in the off season, you automatically went into first place. Like, why aren't the Rangers in first? I don't get it. Oh, they did. Don't you remember in mid-May when the Rangers were well beyond the Mariners in terms of record and talent? And, oh, season was over in mid-May. Just call it right then. Rangers are the better team, aren't they? Almost like there's more ways to build a roster than just one. Hmm. We should should clarify, by the way, there's so many great Mariners fans out there. So many of them who we've interacted with, whether it be this podcast or just through the years, people we've met who are just awesome. There are so many great Mariners fans out there, and some of them are on Twitter. But there is this small sliver of Mariners fans on Twitter who, for whatever reason, have a following. They should not have a following, but for whatever reason, they do. And all they do is tweet out negative tweet after negative tweet after negative tweet after negative tweet. And they've got these cult of followers now who, for whatever reason, latch onto it and think what they're saying is gospel. Oh, shocker. Look at that. Maybe the Rangers aren't as good as you were proclaiming them to be just because for whatever reason, you're so obsessed with spending money. Yeah. Not to be for the Rangers, possibly this year, still a ways to go, but yeah, I just had to get that in there. Let's get to our final wraparound subject and a wildcard race. Lyle. It is shaping up to be a good one. Yeah, we've talked about how close the AL West race is. This NL wildcard race might be even closer. So you've got four teams that are within two and a half games of each other. The Reds, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, and the Giants are all within two and a half games. But turn the lens in even a little bit more and zoom in. The Reds, Marlins, and Diamondbacks are all within a half game of each other for that last wildcard spot. 
this is a nuts race. It is. And, you know, it's not even like there's a one great wildcard team pulling away because the best quote unquote team here record wise is the Phillies, but they're only like they're five games up of the of the last wildcard spot. That's not like a not like a enormous amount by any stretch. And there's not like a clear cut best team roster wise of that group either. They're all flawed teams, but that's kind of what it makes this fun. And and what makes it way different from the American League. The American League, you have four teams fighting for three spots. Or sorry, you have three teams fighting for three teams fighting for two spots in the American League wild card. Makes it a little less interesting, right? And if the Rangers keep stinking, it's going to be two teams for two spots. But in the NL, I mean, there's not too much difference between all these teams. There's not. And when you look at it, they all have pretty middling rotations. They have pretty middling bullpens. No offense really sticks out. I mean, the Cubs have been red hot offensively since July, but they're kind of ahead of the pack. The Phillies and the Cubs, barring something crazy, seem like they should be all but secure to lock up playoff spots. It's these other four teams that are really in the thick of it. The Reds, Marlins, Diamondbacks, and Giants. And really the Reds, Marlins, and Diamondbacks that are so close together. But the Giants are 11th in bullpen ERA for the year, but as of late, they haven't been that great. You look at the the Marlins rotation where you could say, oh, if they can sneak in, you have Sandy Alcantara and Yuri Perez for the first two games, and then you never know what happens. Well, Sandy Alcantara just went on the IL. Yuri Perez is a rookie. Obviously, he's had an innings limit this year. None of these teams stand out and say, yeah, this team could be deadly if they get in. And none of them are playoff regulars, too, which is very exciting. Like Diamondbacks, Reds, Marlins, not playoff regulars. Not like not mm-hmm. at all. So I think it would be very fun to see them in. I think it would be good for their fan bases to get a taste of of playoff baseball and all kind of rebuilds for the most part, depending on which stage Diamondbacks. Re- yeah, that's a rebuild. Marlins are it's seemingly in a perpetual rebuild, but it's nice to see them actually start winning some games. And, and the Reds are have maybe the most fun collection of young skilled players in baseball. I mean, I know you'd want to see Ellie in the playoffs. I think that would be pretty fun. Oh, it'd be great. There'd be a bunch of Mariners we get to see in the playoffs, too, or I should say former Mariners. I mean, Ellie, above all, would be so fun. But yeah, you see Noelvi get in the playoffs. You can see Jake Fraley in the playoffs. You see Connor Phillips and Brandon Williamson in the playoffs. It's probably another reason I like the Reds. Is there's all these former Mariners on the team, and it's kind of easy to root for them. But yeah, for sure, all these teams are rebuilding teams that are trying to figure it out now and are trying to take that next step. Well, except maybe the Giants. I don't know what in the world the Giants are doing, but they're in the race. They tried to tried to spend money and f- flopped. Yeah, that's what they Big did. Time. They got a fun young catcher though, Patrick Bailey. That dude's a stud. Yeah, he is good. But yeah, I don't I don't know who I'd pick to get into these three teams. I I think it's going to come right down to the wire. And none of these teams are all that far above five hundred. They're all kind of hovering just over the mark. And it's been neck and neck for a while. It's probably going to continue that way. I, I, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see how this kind of unfolds, I guess, just because I, I don't know if any of them really have a chance if they get into a series, but it'd be fun to see them in there. Yeah. It could, again, cause I don't really think any of these, like, could you even stamp these teams as like, these are definitively good teams? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I, honestly, like I'd be happy to see the Diamondbacks in there too, just for Paul Seawald's sake. Also, 
speaking of the Diamondbacks, we can add this into this storyline. They just called up Jordan Lawler today. So they're getting serious about trying to make this push for the playoffs. Jordan Lawler is one of the best prospects in baseball. So we'll see how quickly he could possibly help. And we got to pump up Seattle too. Go yeah. for Corbin. Oh, yeah. You got Corbin. You got Paul Seawald. You got, yeah, any of those teams would be fun to watch in the playoffs. So it'll, it'll be fun to see how this whole thing shakes out. Okay. Actually, before we get to the umpire, we missed an honorable mention. We have oh, a new Anthony right. Rendon quote. Yeah, we, could, we couldn't forget this. We couldn't do this. We have documented the, the stories, the tales of an injured Anthony Rendon throughout this 2023 season. And I think he, he set a new bar. He set the bar even higher with this one. Reporters are in the Angels clubhouse. They're trying to seek out Rendon. They're trying to get an injury update from the star third baseman who has not played since earlier in the season for the Angels. When asked about his injury, Anthony Rendon said to the media on Monday, quote, no habla ingles today. He then put on a hoodie and left the clubhouse. I don't even know how to react to that one besides laugh because this this is turning into a sitcom. You know what I'm reacting to? The fact that you called Anthony Rendon a star. You said they're star third baseman. I don't know what in the world he's done to prove he's a star over the last three years. Well, he's his paycheck. That's fair. That's fair. I, I didn't even know how to react either other than I started just laughing when I saw this <laughs> and I sent it to you and I was like, there is no chance this is real. And then I realized, oh, wait, after everything Anthony Rendon's done this year, it's 100% <laughs> real. I'm starting to think he actually doesn't like baseball. I mean, that wouldn't be the craziest take because why in the world else would he, would he be doing this? Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to throw any like crazy accusations out there, but he feels like he's kind of losing his mind. Either that or he seriously wants to just quit the game. Cause like he can't even bother to, to tell the people who just like literally want anything from him, tell them something. But instead he breaks out Spanish and says, I don't speak English today. Kind of stupid. Kind of stupid. But I don't, I don't think anything epitomizes the 2023 angel story like the timeline of Anthony Rendon's return from injury. Somebody documented it the other day where what did they, there was a point where they said, asked Anthony Rendon for an injury update today. He gave some, I forget what it was. He gave some snarky reply and he said, he did a similar thing yesterday. I guess there's always tomorrow. And obviously they got nothing the next day either. Yeah, this, this is, this is crazy. This, this is insane. This is absolutely insane behavior which it feels like he's a totally different guy with the angels than he was with the nationals because again people in dc really liked him i don't know what happened to this dude i'm gonna go with your take in in that he doesn't like baseball and he just kind of wants to be done while collecting his paycheck because obviously he's not gonna let that go away no okay now let's get to now let's get to our russell wilson umpire of the week okay as lyle said we have a banger of one congratulations to Larry Vanover, who missed, <clears throat> drumroll please, 29 calls in Tuesday's Red Sox-Rays game. Lyle, instant reaction. 29 calls? <laughs> How does that even happen? How are you a big league umpire, dude? 
twenty nine. Uh, his strike percentage uh, was seventy nine percent called strike accuracy, That's, which is um, like tough. Which is like nine ish percent below league average. That's that's pretty absurd, to be honest. Twenty nine, twenty nine. That's a, nine it, calls fewer correct than the average umpire. Nine. That's like two at bats. Yeah, and you said it was a season high, which is crazy. But you see that number, and I don't know how it couldn't be. Can they just get the challenge system already? Come on. This is crazy. Well, the problem is with this, they would have ran out. <laughs> they would have broke the machine. I don't know how these managers don't lose their minds. I, I really don't. I, I don't, for the most part, when managers get ejected for arguing balls and strikes, I usually 100% understand it. And I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. Congratulations, Mr. Vanover. You have made history this season. 29. Frame it. We have the great numbers in baseball history. 755, 406, and now 29. Incredible. Congratulations, Larry. I got to give a quick shout out to C.B. Buckner here, who maybe had the worst strike three call I've ever seen in my life to end a game. Shocker. He is not the winner, but he is an honorable mention this week. He's an honorable mention every week. Yeah, he had a terrible game a few days ago, and I saw Ryan Divish quote tweet the umpire scorecard, which, by the way, Ryan Divish loves to rip on C.B. Buckner. Just another reason we love Divish. And he quote tweeted C.B. Buckner's umpire scorecard, and he said, this is not bad. It's sad. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a quote out of this podcast, too. That's something we would say. Yeah, that is something we would say. Okay, let's get to speak your mind here. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. What are you thinking about? So I'm first going to put you on the hot seat for the now third week in a row. I said we were going to do an Ahsoka review, but you still haven't watched it. So we're going to push that again to next week. So we'll just let you sit on that and, and, and sit in your embarrassment and think about that as you watch it this week and get ready for next week. Now, my actual speaker mind is something you mentioned before we started recording that I agree with 100% and is that the NFL season starts as we're recording tomorrow. And despite the fact we feel like we're still probably more knowledgeable about the NFL than 99% of casual football fans, just don't feel like we know as much as we did, say, in high school or college. Yeah, it's weird just from how busy we've gotten with stuff. This podcast included, obviously, you're following college football and the Pac-12, you know, up to your shoulders or whatever, just because that's your day job. It gives us less time for other things. And again, let's put this in perspective. I'd say we're still in the 99th percentile of NFL fans out there. It's not like we don't know what's going on and we don't have real Super Bowl predictions and we couldn't off and we, we couldn't rattle off a ton of players from every team. But it just feels like maybe there's things we've missed a little bit. I feel like usually I'm a tiny bit more tuned in on all the Seahawks training camp stuff than I've been this year. I feel like usually I'm tuned in on 
every free agent that signed everywhere as opposed to this year. I feel like I've missed some and couldn't name you like a bunch of the guys. I didn't know Miles Sanders was on the Panthers, by the way, until like a week ago. I just, that's he one is? of those I just, yeah, see that, see, that's <laughs> one of those that I just, that's one of those that I just didn't realize, for example, just because we've had all this other stuff sports wise going on, including all this Mariner stuff. I'm in like the time management part where we had a fantasy football that like, this is like my least important fantasy football league money wise, or at least that I care about because we do a dynasty league, college league. And then I have a regular league as well, like standard fantasy football. We had the standard league draft on Sunday. And do you know how many seconds I spent reading, reading a, a fantasy draft guide before I drafted? Zero. Can't remember the last time I did that where I did no prep. Took Justin Jefferson number one overall. I think that's the right decision. But overall, I'm sitting there in, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. It's like I haven't read like Field Yates or Matt Barry's sleepers to pick in the tenth round or later. I haven't done that. I'm still riding my coattails from picking Patrick Mahomes in the fifteenth round of the twenty eighteen draft and then riding that to a championship. I'm gonna rest my laurels. And I'm going to solidly say, Lyle, I'm never going to top that sleeper in my fantasy football life. So I just don't even bother to to read anything anymore. You're channeling your inner Johnny Manziel there from the documentary. How many hours of film did I watch? Zero. Yep. That's me. I had my fantasy draft this week, too, which I'm in a two quarterback league. I really don't know how more people in this league don't figure out that in a two quarterback league that quarterbacks can win you these leagues. but. People don't like to draft quarterbacks in this league. I do, and I don't mess around with it. My first How two are your picks running are backs? Old... Who? How are your running backs? Oh, well, so other positions sometimes will suffer a little bit where other teams in the league will have better running backs and receivers, but they don't have as good quarterbacks. Like, my first two picks were Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, which Lamar, by the way, I feel like is going to be much better this year considering he has a new offensive coordinator, finally, more offensive weapons. I, I think he's going to have a pretty good year. But as a result, my running backs aren't as good. Who do I have? I have Alexander Madison and Damian Pierce. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're relying on your quarterbacks. Yeah. And and that's how it goes. Honestly, like Damian Pierce had a pretty good year last year. So that's fair. Yeah. We'll um, see if Madison that, makes it past week, whatever is the starter. He was always pretty good when Dalvin Cook was out. I don't know. Yeah, common theme with backups until their backups look at the same thing. Wow, wow. It's almost like, huh, running back position is replaceable? Oh, I shouldn't say that out loud. I'm going to have the NFLPA at my front door. (laughs) Oh, man. But I don't know. I was pretty happy with the draft. The the one thing I guess I was kind of bummed out about is, so I'm not mad I got Damian Pierce. Again, he was pretty good last year. But I missed Travis Etienne by one pick, and I would have loved to have him. So that was the one where I was like, oh. How do we feel about our college fantasy league? Well, not good after week one, considering my top two picks just laid an egg and didn't do anything. Well, not top two picks. I guess it was my second and third round pick, something like that. Because the two guys I have from Ohio State in Emeka Abuka and Travion Henderson did nothing in that win over Indiana. So I did not have a good first week. And so what week do we play each other? Let's look here. Not week three, not week four. So we're in a very interesting league of how it's structured. We play in a best ball league, which is 
every single player on your roster plays and the league will automatically select the two highest scores from two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, and then a tight end, I believe. Mm -hmm. And is there a flex? I can't remember. No, there's no flex. And I think the reason we started doing that this year is there was just too many injury problems over the last few years in college fantasy football. And <clears throat> the reports the reports in college fantasy football are never as in your face as the NFL is, where it's harder to find sometimes in college football, which is why we changed it to best ball. Yeah, fun story. TJ lost the league one time on that. Hi. 2019, it was the highest scoring team in the entire league. We're lying on the number one seed. Lined up to play our number four team in the league. I have a wide receiver who's supposed to play Mercer that week in a playoff matchup. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> Daz Newsom overslept practice during the week and uh, had to sit out on Saturday. And there was no update, no notification, no nothing. And I ended up losing by like, oh, I don't know, 30 points. Oh, and UNC, by the way, scored about 60 points on Mercer. And I think Daz would have caught some touchdowns in that game. So I'm kind of pissed. By the way, Doug, we uh, don't play until week nine, October 24th. Oh. That's the week. We don't play until the week after we back from New York. So you got some time yeah, to, we'll, uh, to brew. Yeah, we'll have to update people on that week when we eventually play. But yeah, college fantasy is really fun. But yeah, there can be there can be some You've had a situation like that, too. Yeah, I've had two of them. The same year you had the Daz Newsome thing, I got screwed because Lincoln Riley told everybody CeeDee Lamb was playing because I was in the semifinals just like you were. I lost by no joke one point that week to miss out on the championship. One point. And CeeDee Lamb, who was my second pick that year, actually it might have been my first pick. First or that, Point being, I took him high and he was somebody I relied heavily on all season. Lincoln said he was going to play. He played. But he played about 15% of the snaps, and he didn't do anything, and that's how I lost. If, if CD had played the whole game, I would have won. Hmm. And then, Oh, sorry, and then the next year after that, this one might be worse. I had Devontae Smith in 2020, the year he won the Heisman, and I lost my league because, or our league, because it's not that Devontae had COVID. Nobody on Alabama had COVID. They were playing LSU when LSU players had COVID. So that game got canceled. And as a result, Devontae didn't get to play. And again, I lost by like five points on top of the fact that our friend I was playing had a running back, no joke, go for 66 points in college <laughs> fantasy football. And I lost. And who won the league that year? I forget. Well, it would have been me if Devontae hadn't gotten hurt. Hmm. Lucky you, the podcast did take home the championship that year. Yeah, that's hmm. true. It did. Got two wow. ra two college fantasy rings on my fingers. Hmm, it's nice. It's nice. You guys are still recovering from the L I handed everyone last year. <laughs> I mean, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm going to miss last year's team so much. I was 70 points better than every team on any given day. It was great. Did we play in the finals or the semifinals? I forget. It might have been the finals. Like, again, by the end of the season, I was 270 points a game. Like it was, yeah. it was stupid. Yeah. I, I was steamrolling. I was steamrolling fools. But, yeah. Yeah. You were. Yeah. That took out a decent chunk of speak your mind. The only thing I had this week is the reason we're actually recording a day early today here on Wednesday at time of recording is because I'm going to the 50 cent concert in Seattle on Thursday. And funny enough, I didn't even remember I was going until 
earlier in the day here on Wednesday. So I'm going with two of my friends here from the area. We bought tickets like five, six months ago. And one of them reminded us today. It's like, oh, we have tickets to the 50 Cent concert tomorrow. And I was like, I'm glad you said something about that because I would not have remembered. Now, tickets weren't crazy expensive. They were about 60 bucks. So I didn't want to throw 60 bucks down the drain. And obviously, I do want to go to the concert. I'm just glad somebody said something about it. So now I'm going tomorrow. You should ask him to throw you a shirt and see if he can hit you in the chest. I doubt it. If we, if we, I was going to say, just don't put a baseball in his hands and everybody will be safe. But 50 Cent picks up a baseball and somebody's going to get hurt. He's going to throw it in the section over. He might just throw it out of Climate Pledge Arena. He might just throw it directionally sideways like he did at City Field. He'll probably end up throwing it through the window. <laughs> yeah. Of that brand new arena. They worked so hard on it. Just for 50 cents to smash it with a baseball. I think it's going to be sold out. Uh, I don't know if it'll be sold out or not. It's not going to be like the Drake concert, which was obviously sold out. But it'll be fun. I mean... Is 50 Cent my favorite artist? No, but I did like a lot of his old music, which I'm sure he's going to play most of during this concert. So, yeah, it should be fun. It's not going to be anything crazy or anything like that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it'll live up to you going to the Travis Scott concert in Vegas a few years ago. That was pretty cool. And at least 50 Cent will perform, unlike Drake in Vancouver and Denver, which he decided to just cancel. Yeah, that's not fun. That's not fun at all. So... Yeah, I'll update you guys next week. But for now, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon on our audio side. If you do that, make sure to follow us, download our episodes, and give us the five-star review. The reviews and the downloads really help us out, and it only takes a couple extra seconds, so make sure to go do that. Then head over to YouTube. Our video side of the podcast is there. Subscribe like comment turn the notification bells on that way you know when we're posting stuff and on social media you can follow us on instagram tiktok twitter and youtube shorts at marine layer pod and one final time get out to the ballpark for the angel series the next time we're recording that series will be just about over get to the ballpark it's the last chance you have to make an impression on shohei otani so let's do it guys that's tj i'm lyle as always we thank you guys for tuning in we'll talk to you soon (laughs) 